Hello everyone, welcome back to the Climate Psychology Podcast. I have been on a small summer break, if you will, because yeah, quite a few things in my life and in my surroundings changed, but I'm back and I'm so happy to be back and to be recording this particular episode for you. If you're new here, welcome as well. I'm glad that you found this podcast. I would be more than happy to know how you heard about this podcast and why are you interested in this topic. As always, you can find all my social handles in the description of this episode. And in order to get a full understanding of what this podcast is all about, I would recommend you listen to my trailer episode, episode zero. My name is Hannah and I am a social psychologist with a passion for behavior change, climate adaptation and sustainability. This is episode five already. Can you believe it? This episode is all about youth movements and climate change, my personal experiences as well as the experiences of two amazing young and motivated people whom I had the blessing to meet on my climate adaptation journey. The two guests, which will be introduced more specifically later today, make this episode very exciting and close to my heart as both of them have guided me a lot during my activities as a youth group member myself as well as during my internship at the Innovation Lab of the Hanse University of Applied Sciences. Um, the Innovation Lab focuses on building learning communities that connect students, researchers and practitioners around the topic and I've mentioned the internship and the Innovation Lab in previous episodes. Um, also the episode where I was talking with Alat um, Roost about climate adaptation um, here in Groningen. And today's guests are Joey Koning, who has been coordinating the Innovation Lab on climate adaptation since 2020 and supports various projects within the lecturate of um, spatial transformations, water. I met Joey during my internship as well as during my time um, as a member of the Youth for Climate Adaptation, where Joey was coordinating the Youth for Climate Adaptation Summit, as well as um, yeah, that he organized the Climate Adaptation Week. And the other guest for today is Gabriela Emilianova, who is a designer and educator that works in the field of climate adaptation. And what makes Gabriela's viewpoint so interesting is that she focuses on the intersection of art and climate change and tries to connect these two fields. And Gabriella has a background as a graduate of the Academy um, Minerva. And just like I'm trying to connect psychology and climate adaptation, um, yeah, she's trying to connect art and climate adaptation, which is super interesting. And I have another episode about just art and climate adaptation planned in the future. So stay tuned for that. And um, yeah, together with Joey, um, Gabriella also coordinated and co still coordinates the Innovation Lab on climate adaptation um, at the Hansa as well. Before we listen to the interview with Gabriela and Joey, I thought it would be nice to give you insights into why I think that youth is important and essential to solve the climate crisis. And I will be using the term youth um, quite loosely. So I'm not only talking about teenagers in the classical sense, but mostly people who are born between, I don't know, mid-80s uh, and, you know, moving forward. So I'm not only talking about 10-year-olds or children specifically, but all people that can be considered youth. So I'm 23 and for most projects I'm still considered youth. Um, 
and I'm still allowed to be part of youth movements, which is quite exciting. So don't feel old yet. Um, I know that the main target group of my podcast is actually youth, so between 18 and 28, um, which makes this episode even more exciting. Um, yeah, and I know that there's not much scientific evidence on the effectiveness of youth and climate movements, um, but I still think from every angle, politically, sociologically, psychologically, it just makes sense to include youth in the climate change debate and actually hear what we have to say about climate change. Um, and not only from my perspective as a social psychologist, but also from the perspective of someone who has been part um, of youth movements and works with youth in the topic, um, I can say that I'm deeply inspired by the way young people all over the world stand up for their own future and their own agenda. And I believe that youth plays a crucial role in finding solutions to um, the climate crisis. And young people, I mean, they represent our future and should be able to take an active part in policymaking and building a green future and a sustainable future. And I believe that if given the opportunity and the room and the, you know, the capability and resources, um, that youth will probably lead the way with our green jobs, green lifestyles and the ability to push no one else's agenda but our own. And due to the connection between youth movements, I reckon that there is great potential in finding solutions um, to the climate crisis. I mean, we have seen what over the past years Fridays for Future has accomplished and um, that they took the space that they deserve and are now recognized as one of the most influential youth movements, you know, when it comes to climate change. And we need to acknowledge that success for youth movements means that they are also given the ability and the chance to be an active part of the local, global and national decision making and that we need to be given room to actually, you know, engage in certain topics. That we need to be empowered and we need to be given the autonomy and self-efficacy to act accordingly. And sadly, I don't see that happening everywhere yet. I think that there's still so much more potential when it comes to policy making and politicians actually taking into account what, what uh, youth movements have to say. But I think that we are on a good path and I'm super excited to see what the future will hold and um, what we can accomplish if, you know, we, we work together on this. You know, and since I'm considered youth as well, <laughs> I thought I can make this episode a little bit more relatable and personal and also maybe inspiring and I wanted to tell you a bit about my journey and engagement in regards to climate change and climate adaptation and I wanted to highlight why I do the things that I do and kind of how I got here and you know I kind of wanted to try something new with this episode and share a bit more because I feel like so far you know you know what I do and the signs that I support but not really maybe much about my personal life and you know what I do besides podcasting and 
yeah, maybe you are also on your own journey towards a climate-friendly future and you're looking for that, you know, last kick in inspiration. Maybe you are a seasoned member of a youth organization yourself. And whatever it is, you're doing amazing and I would love to hear more about your journey and what you do. So feel free to send me an email or a message on LinkedIn. And yeah, for now, I will stick to my most recent experiences that relate to climate change and I will elaborate a little bit on them. So stay tuned for that and um, let's dive right in. So in the last semester of my master's program at the University of Groningen, I was an active member of the Green Office Groningen and a sustainability ambassador. And as the chair of the information committee of the Green Office Groningen, I was in charge of managing the committee's activities, planning committee meetings and being in close touch with the board of the Green Office and monitoring and evaluating events that we Uh, you know, came up with. And the Green Office aims to strengthen and integrate the concept of sustainability on campus and against students and staff in climate change related activities. And these, for example, are faculty, uh, faculty challenges where faculties compete, you know, who's most sustainable, giving advice. Um, they published a super nice sustainability map of Roninger, um, And they established a climate summer school and and a sustainable ambassador program um, for which you can apply. And I will link the website of the Green Office of the University of Groningen in the description below. And I would recommend, you know, if you are studying, if you are going to school um, or, you know, maybe even check at your workplace um, if they offer the possibility to get active in a committee an initiative or you know if they have projects um, that are focused on climate change and I think it was surprised to see um, how many committees there are and that there is a lot of room for engagement um, so if you're studying maybe you're even studying in Groningen right now like that would be cool <laughs> so check out the green office um, yeah I will link it in the description down below in the months following uh, my engagement at the Green Office, I was a member of the Youth for Climate Adaptation, short YFCA, where I got to know Joey and Gabriella as well. And being part of the YFCA team, I helped to ensure that everyone in the Netherlands and youth all over the world has heard about what happened during the Climate Adaptation Youth Summit. And part of my role as an active member was to, you know, plan activities for prior, during and after the Climate Adaptation Youth Summit, which was part of the Climate Adaptation Week 2021. And in a team of diverse and motivated uh, young internationals, I helped to develop content for the message that we as youth wanted to spread. And next to developing content, um, we were in charge of organizing activities that raise awareness about climate change. And because I love the idea of the YFCA so much, I decided that I wanted to be a coordinator within the YFCA as well. And as a youth coordinator, I and five other motivated young members of the YFCA worked closely together with the project managers of the Climate Adaptation Youth Summit. And um, yeah, so basically we worked with Joey and Gabriella and made sure that 
there is a flow of communication and that we as youth knew what um, you know the project managers were doing and the other way around and we ensured that the assignments were being picked up by the members that deadlines are respected and that working in project groups went you know smoothly overall and just making sure that we have fun as well and that we can grow together as a team and all in all this was really an unforgettable experience that helped me so much in my development as you know a young person that is interested in climate change and wants to do as much as they can and um Yeah, I will link some highlights of the YFCA and Climate Adaptation Koninger in the description down below. And um, maybe the city that you live, live in also has a program for youth. You know, maybe there's a youth club or environmental groups. Um, I would recommend that you check that out and that you connect to people and, you know, see what the possibilities are in your network. Um, I would love to hear about it. So let me know how it goes. And feel free to share what your experiences are and um, how's it going in your city. So I'm really excited to hear about your journey as well. After my time in the YFCA in July 2021, I managed and organized an eight-day summer school for the Talent Academy, English Talent Academy, in which um, my colleague Tabea and I helped around 10, 12 to 15 year olds to get to know the complex um, interrelation of a global society. And um, with, with the youth, we dived into the depths of human psychology in regards to climate change. And in discussions, quizzes, presentations, um, movies and role game, the youth acquired a basic understanding of the climate crisis and the socio psycho and political challenges we are facing as consequences. And together with the youth, we developed possible solutions on a personal, societal and political level and reflected on our lifestyle. The Talent Academy is an initi initiative from the German Ministry of Education and um, it's part of the foundation Bildung und Begabung, English Education and Talent, that offers a wide range of funding opportunities for young talents and gives impulses for the promotion of talent. And with their projects, they reach more than 240,000 talented and motivated young people in Germany every year. And their main sponsor is the Feder Federal Ministry for Education and Research in Germany. And um, this year, the Talent Academy was digital and um, it was a support program for young people in eighth and ninth grades who bring self-motivation, curiosity and openness. And the aim of the projects in general are the funding of personality development, cognitive and non-cognitive skills, creativity and key competencies. And it helps the youth to recognize their own talents and opportunities and, you know, to just activate resources. And if you're going to school in Germany, I highly, highly recommend you check out the programs that the Talent Academy and Bildung und Begabung offer. I was also a participant myself when I was 14 and um, I took part in two summer schools for Talent Academy before I became a project uh, leader myself. And the experiences uh, that I made were, you know, not to be dramatic, dramatic but they were really life-changing. 
I really stepped out of my comfort zones. I broadened my horizon. I learned so many new things. I connected with so many great people uh, with whom I'm still in contact. I really made friends for life and new doors were opened for me, which otherwise would have never been opened or even seen. So I'm really thankful for this experience. And again, if you are uh, going to school in Germany, um, check out Bildung und Begabung and their Talent Academy or Schüler Academy. I will also link that down below. And um, yeah, please check it out. In line with that, uh, in the same month, I've also been invited as a guest speaker for a seminar at the Youth Education Center of St. Michaelturm in Germany. And this youth center offers youth to take free seminars and classes during their voluntary social gap year. In German, it's uh, FSJ, um, which is organized by the Bundesfreiwilligendienst, English German Federal Voluntary Service. And during the seminar, I also taught young adults from the age of 17 to 19 all about the climate crisis and the intersections between climate adaptation and psychology. And if you're also interested in taking part in seminars, I would recommend that you check out your local youth center if you have one or addressing your interest at school. I'm sure that there are teachers and um, people at the local youth centers um, that can help you find the topics that you're interested in and help you find seminars um, that you can take part in and join. Um, and yeah, I would also just recommend just Googling um, youth movements in your area and connect with them. You don't immediately have to go to the meetings. You can just reach out by telephone or email and just see how it goes and if they have maybe projects that would be interesting for you. So guys and girls and non-binary pals. I think it is time that we bring in our special guests, Gabriella and Joey. I'm so excited. And yeah, maybe some of you even recognize them. That would be so fun. <laughs> um, like in episode two about environmental psychology, where I interviewed Ola, um, I will present a pre-recorded interview now. Um, thus, the quality might not be the same, but After the interview, we will jump right back to the usual podcast audio quality. Um, yeah, but without further ado, let's hear about the interview. I'm so excited. Here we go. Hello, you two. Thank you so much for joining today. Um, this episode is all about your guys' experience um, with young people, youth, uh, in the topic of climate adaptation. And um, before we start, I would love for you to introduce yourself maybe just your name, study background, occupation. Um, so yeah, maybe Gabriela, you can start. Hi, my name is Gabriela and I first wanted to say, Hannah, thank you for inviting us to join your podcast. Um, well, I have a background as a designer and an artist and uh, my occupation is uh, coordinating together with Joey uh, the Innovation Lab on Climate Adaptation at the Hansa University. Well, thank you so much. Great to have Hi. you here. Yeah, thanks, uh, Hannah, from my side as well for having us. Um, my name is Joey Koning. I studied urban planning at the University of Groningen. Uh, finished with a research master there. And I do the same job as Gabriella. We are basically like a duo at the Hansa University, uh, except that she's more into the art side and I'm more into the science side of things. 
um, and we both run uh, a learning community on innovation on uh, climate adaptation. Um, and in the past, we've also been coordinating a big youth event uh, called the Youth for Climate Adaptation, which uh, which happened, uh, uh, which took place this year at the beginning of this year. Um, yeah, more than that, we're we're both involved in in we re doing research at the Hans uh, University, where youth is also playing a big role. Um, I think that's some setup for now. Yeah, super interesting. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I was wondering how um, can you both use your occupation and what you studied in the topic of climate adaptation? So how does that influence your work? Yeah, interesting question. I think it does differently in both our way of looking at climate adaptation. Because like I said, Gary, you're more into the arts and, and I as an urban planner have a bit of a different perspective. Mm. Uh, I could maybe start with this. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, as an urban planner, you're constantly you're working. A, you're working with uh, with public spaces where a lot of climate adaptation is happening. Uh, and B, uh, because public space is kind of occupied um, or well not occupied, it's uh, it's it's something that um, is at interest of so many different people. You know, people that live and work and travel there. Uh, people that. Uh, that work in the municipality, for example, and that they have to manage it. Um, businesses that, that work around that area, uh, it, it, it's an interest of so many people. So I'm, I'm kind of used, or I've been trained through my study to work together with a lot of different in, in disciplines. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's at the core of climate adaptation as well. Uh, it's not something that only planners do or something that only lawyers do. It's something that, that has so many facets that a lot of people have to work together on it. And I think that um, that really helps me in approaching it. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. It's also something we've mentioned before in, in the podcast, like the, the, the way that multiple disciplines need to come together to solve climate, the climate change issue and how climate adaptation requires you know, collaboration in multiple parties. So it's uh, nice that you also mentioned this. And um, yeah, Gabriella, how do you, how do you like to use your background or do you think that your background influences the topic as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, well, uh, creativity has a really strong power to um, bring people together, but also to, um, yeah, to bring imagination, to reimagine the, these new futures and um, how a world that is fully climate adaptive might look like. Mm. But also I use the skill of design and design thinking um, within organizing brainstorm sessions and uh, sessions within the innovation lab as well mm. um, to design the sessions themselves, but also to um, give the students and participants the structure to uh, come up with uh, innovative ideas and uh, yeah, to come up with crazy creative uh, strategies yeah. for climate adaptation. So it's definitely a big part of uh, my work. Yeah, very yeah, nice. I think, I think that's because for me, uh, the art side was kind of new coming into this job. Mm. Like I, I, at the University of Groningen, you don't have an art department. So that's, that's something that, I, that was really new for me. Uh, and that's something that I learned this past year working with you as well, uh, how arts uh, plays a role in, in climate adaptation as a as a tool 
don't want to use tool anymore because you don't mm. allow me to but um, <laughs> uh, because it, it helps in raising awareness it helps in in, in inspiring and triggering thoughts uh, but something that um, that you showed me as well is, is that it can also um, be kind of groundbreaking arts it can help you uh, step into new directions also with climate adaptation um, that that you wouldn't otherwise think of, uh, and that was really interesting to see that connection between art and and science as well. Yeah, indeed, um, art. Uh, we are thinking of it also as a kind of bridge or uh, a translator between mm-hmm. science and citizens, or science and youth, and um, in general, the uh, combination of art and science really interests me. Mm-hmm. So just like Joey saying, we are kind of resembling that within our duo and uh, it has been so interesting to see the differences but also how the two worlds uh, complement each other Mm. and uh, yeah also the aspect of uh, then uh, multidisciplinary uh, work yeah what happens when you combine both because uh, yeah indeed um, well art can create awareness but it also needs the backup of all the scientists and urban planners and people who actually uh, also have knowledge on the technical side of things so it's uh, yeah really uh, the complementary and i think that is uh, sorry if i keep rambling no it's perfectly fine (laughs) i think that is something at that's at the core of what we try to do with Mm. uh, with our learning community as well we try to connect different disciplines and, and see how that creates something that's bigger than the, than the parts yeah. apart from each other. Um, so so the bridge between science and art, like you just mentioned, Gabby, that's a big one. Uh, but we've also had this, uh, we saw this bridge between, uh, well, something that you study, for example, Hannah, mm. uh, psychology. Yeah. Um, we have multiple, we've had multiple students that do psychology. Um, and and then working together with other uh, backgrounds, like people from from like a more uh, engineering kind of uh, background, or a, a planner, or more more technical background, and and the kind of um, connections that could create, and the kind of new ways of looking that could trigger in people. I've I've, I've always thought that was really interesting, and I think that's something that's um, more happening now in the youth that we have today. Mm compared to how it used to be 20, 30 years ago when people were kind of more working in a sector or yeah. like a specific discipline. And that's, that was the thing that they did. And I think a lot of students, and it's, it's, it's really inspired and, and pushed in, in, in the universities of today, uh, are used to working together with other disciplines. Um, they are able to see more of other disciplines online as well. Mm. So this is, this is kind of a mindset, I think, that, that you really see come alive now today. Yeah, yeah. and to add on this, uh, indeed, um, we are both working with youth, mm. and what we uh, really try to um, to do is to empower youth, uh, to empower youth to um, to be the expert, their own expert, but all in their own field, uh, to collaborate with each other, mm. um, but also to uh, take agency in the situation and. Uh, take action on climate adaptation yeah yeah Yeah. very nice guys thank you so much and i was wondering because i mean i was part of the innovation lab myself last year as a student um 
how do you see that being so because for me as a young person that was so great like this experience and I was wondering could you see something like this be a core part of university life or student life like would you want an innovation lab like this would you recommend that for maybe universities or policymakers like a learning community because for me that was heaven and I thought wow that's so awesome but I don't see it that much so how do you view the future of these innovation labs? Yeah, interesting uh, question. <laughs> uh, we are in the research and development phase now <laughs> on this topic, but uh, I guess I can also say that uh, I agree with you that it's really uh, a wonderful way to um, provide a youth a place to uh, work together and to um, have actually well tangible assignments that they can focus on within the topic of climate adaptation that have also um, world uh, impact so mm -hmm. that there are also actual projects in the city of Groningen yeah. in the local community so uh, for that I would say it will be amazing if uh, every city would have such a lab mm -hmm. and per se I think it is not necessary that every university has a separate one, but that more and more we start working together. Yeah. So even if there is a lab per city, yeah. uh, that's already could be very cool. Although we are starting to get a lot of international attention. Mm -hmm. There are people from India, Tunisia and uh, all over uh, the world that want to apply. So we are... Um, I guess that's also answering your question that now we are working on developing the international side of the EVP. Mm -hmm. So we have already these applicants, but how can we provide them with projects that are also yeah. uh, international? So okay. we will expand. Wow. Good to um, hear though. <laughs> nice. Maybe, yeah. maybe to add to that um, and, and, and kind of looking at the bigger picture, um, I think this is actually already happening. Because like I said, um, there are so many big issues now in, or challenges in, in, in life. Mm. Um, sustainability, climate change, uh, climate adaptation, um, all these kind of complex, wicked problems that, that require so many drastic changes in the way that we live that, that there's not just one discipline that can fix it all. It needs to be the psychologists of tomorrow, the engineers of tomorrow, the product developers of tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. And, mm. and they all have to work together. Uh, and that, that realization is really starting this movement um, of, of learning to work together as well. And it already starts at high school and university yeah. level, I think. Um, when I was studying at the university, which is like a couple of years back, mm. um, I was also, I was doing urban planning. And for like almost three years, I was only with planners yeah. and I was only that's my that, that was my group of people that I that I talked to and met and learned mm. with, and then there was this minor program, uh, Future Planet Innovation, it's called now I believe, um, where people from all over the university would come together from biology and history and, and planet planning to learn about sustainability because mm. that's a topic that that concerns all of them, um, and that was eye opening for me actually to work together with all these people, learn a lot about how they watch see these problems and uh, working together with them. Yeah. And I think uh, I think that's that realization is coming more and more, and it's happening everywhere. I mean, at the answer we have, mm -hmm. I think, like close to eighty of these uh, innovation labs on wow. different topics like healthy aging and uh, sustainability and plant adaptation. 
Mm. Um, it, it's also happening at the University of Groningen now, where we have the campus Friesland. Mm. Um, that's also about multidisciplinary uh, work. Uh, it's happening, I, I believe that in U Utrecht, uh, there's recently been a prize-winning program where it's not only students from different disciplines, but also practitioners coming into the classroom again to learn together. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's part of a bigger movement where youth are learning to work together much more uh, to topics like this. Yeah, I think the, the last thing you mentioned I find interesting that also practitioners use these labs to educate themselves. So I think that also leads perfectly to my next question. Uh, what can we actually learn from young people? You know, I mean, you uh, too, um, you know, you usually you're the guides for us as young people, but also during the summit, you know, you had this uh, network of self-organizing, um, you know, youth from all over the world. So is there something that you still to this day find amazing, surprising and, you know, uh, groundbreaking when it comes to working with like younger people? I think it's very powerful and it gives you a lot of energy mm -hmm. and excitement. Yeah. And of course, we are also young people with Joey. <laughs> so that uh, um, helps us feel part of the movement yeah. and um, part of this change and offer other uh, like-minded uh, young people a platform as well to speak their voice. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think I, I found that find that the most exciting where you uh, hear someone's story um, and you give them a chance to share it with the whole world and um, yeah, really empowering each other. Mm -hmm. And you're constantly learning because um, during the process of, of organizing the Youth for Climate Adaptation Summit, we also spoke with youth from all over the globe. Like yeah. um, um, there was also one girl uh, who told us how it is in Africa and how she's already living with the consequences mm -hmm. of climate change and um, yeah. uh, not enough uh, water resources and 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 we, we, we spoke with her uh, on the camera like this like really one-on-one -on -one. we could really hear that it's already here it's already mm -hmm. happening and um, we were very happy to uh, give the event to be the platform for these kind of stories yeah, so. yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember that that we like really enjoyed that part of, of organizing the event, actually mm. talking to and meeting these youth that are around the world that, that are actually, actually experiencing climate change firsthand, because mm. we are quite in an entitled position, speaking from the Netherlands, I think. Yes. <laughs> But like you said, Gabi, I, I think that was really inspiring for me as well, the fact that, um, that youth can have so much influence nowadays. I mean, these were people that, that experienced climate change in their youth, like when they were sometimes, I think we talked to one girl that was inspired when she was like eight mm -hmm. and saw something happening that she was like, wow, I need to change that and, yeah. and, and then started to act. Um, and it's just through these social media and, and stuff like that, that they can, they can just inspire such a big audience and, and really start movements and, and actions that I, I, I don't think were able were possible like a, a couple of decades mm -hmm. back. Um, so it's that's kind of one one aspect of youth that I find really interesting and mm. astonishing now that that they are able to to do so much with mm. so little nowadays. Yeah, and then it's also just their I don't know their uh, ability to think differently. I mean, we've had people in the EBP that that were able to like develop apps and 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 
uh, inspire uh, people to act differently through these apps and I don't even know where to start when I have to yeah. develop an app. Um, there were people that were able to, to engineer uh, like, like small products that I, that I was like, wow, that, <laughs> the, I mean, they're, they're, they're able to do so much um, at such, such a young age. And I mm. think, I have, yeah, you, you all know the story of Boyan Slot and how he does those things and that's amazing. But those kinds of stories, they start uh, popping up much more now. Yeah, yeah and we're really um, the young generation that is uh, already living with the consequences of uh, climate change. So I think that's really noticeable and um, indeed very energizing to, to, to meet more youth, more and mm. more youth, because it's, it's uh, also kind of gives the feeling of uh, we're all in the same boat. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, also, I think the fact that for uh, for youth, it's, I mean, we or you guys, we all <laughs> have to live with climate change for another 50, 60, 70, 80 years. So I think it's time that policymakers and institutions listen to what young voices have to say. And um, yeah, I think the, the Youth for Climate Adaptation Summit was such a great event and i totally feel you when you say it was like inspiring and also for you empowering and uh yeah i was also blown away by the amount of knowledge that very much younger p people partially children have already mm -hmm. um and i have a, like a more personal question to joey because you just recently became a father has that <laughs> has that in some way changed your view on climate change or has that in some way affected how you feel about that aspect? I mean, if not, that's also fine. <laughs> Probably your head is filled with more important things. <laughs> no, it's a good yeah. question. I mean, I don't know if it necessarily changed, but maybe more reinforced yeah. the way that I feel about climate change because I, I, I have been seeing it as a, as a the big challenge of today for a while and, yeah. and been trying to act on that. Uh, but it did make me realize, uh, so I'm, 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 I was born like, in the previous millennium and mm. century, and like in the 1990s. Um, so for me, I probably will live until like 2070 or something like that, if I'm lucky. Yeah. Uh, but my, my child, he's, he's, my son is born in, in like 2021 now. He will probably make it until 2100. And you saw these, these IPCC reports recently yeah. with all the new scenarios. Uh, they run until 2100. Yeah. And, and that made me realize like, oh, Damn, like this, all these doom scenarios that they're sketching in there, that, that applies to my son's life as well. Mm. Uh, and that was quite daunting for me. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was like, shit, that, that's, that's actually, oh, there you go, there's the swear. <laughs> <laughs> that I wasn't thinking I was going to do. But, but yeah, that touches his life as well. And that makes me only more motivated to tackle it and to try and, mm. and make the best possible world for him to live in. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful statement. Thanks for sharing. I think that shows yeah. that it's important to bring the issue close, closer to us. And by us, I mean people in the Netherlands who live in the middle Europe. Um, but yeah, I, I also think that whenever uh, we talk with people from other cultural backgrounds or from other countries, it's almost shocking how entitled our viewpoint is in a way. So I think that these innovation labs and youth events have the potential to shift 
the perspective and give other people voices that are maybe not heard so much. Um, yeah. Yeah, and maybe if I can add, sorry, Gabby, like stop me if I'm over speaking. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is something that, that, that triggered me as well, or uh, that I was thinking about during the organization of the Youth Summit. Um, because for a while, these, these kind of, um, like in, in, in politics, there's this often this youth angle where they are like, okay, we have to talk to youth as well to see yeah. what they think and involve them. And, but it's usually kind of this, this check box, like, okay, we have to talk to the youth and show that we talk to them and yeah, uh, exactly. that we heard them and I check. Now we can move on with our plans as usual. Yeah. Um, and what I found really interesting in the youth movement or the youth plant temptation uh, event um, was that uh, youth are, are not simply fulfilling that role anymore. It's they're, they're move, they're, they want more. They want mm -hmm. to actually change things now. Um, and, and when we were organizing it, we, we, we met so many eager people also like here in Groningen that helped us organize it. So many volunteers that were eager. Uh, they were like, okay, we, we will show people how, uh, how to cook vegan. Uh, we will show people how they can uh, change their city uh, by themselves with small guerrilla arts and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Uh, people are not like the youth are not simply wanting to join an organization to make a political movement and, and go to uh, The Hague and other places to, to protest. They also are starting to actually act yeah. and make a difference in their own places. Yeah. That's something that we really saw in the in the event, and that, that was encouraged a lot, and that, that I found was really inspiring. This kind of shift to, mm. okay, enough talk, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also the fact that um, our event was really um, by youth for youth, mm. so it really followed that principle, like just like Joey is saying, like it was not uh, no longer um, like a group of people on a table. Um, who are like in their 40s organizing a, a summit yeah. who just say okay for one panel let's invite these five youth mm -hmm. but they were actually youth plus so much so many volunteers like uh, joey said youth volunteers organizing the youth summit yeah. and saying what should be in there and for that actually i have to say also we were grateful to be given so much freedom mm -hmm. to decide the um, program yeah so the program was also determined based on the interests uh, that we collected from yeah. youth. And of course, you cannot uh, like collect uh, the interests of everyone, but at least uh, um, it was really, um, yeah, inspired by the by the current uh, happenings and mm. the interests of the young people with young people participating. Mm. So uh, yeah, that was really a great part and you could see youth in action within yeah. the event itself. Yeah, definitely. I think it was uh, a very moving event in some sort, in some points. Like I also talked to people and they were a bit emotional about it, like in a good way, because they were like, oh, finally, you know, I, I have a voice and finally I can like speak and have room. So I think that's definitely something we should, we should work on. And um, yeah, I think that, um, that the work that you do like you too you're so engaged and so motivated and i think that's also something that plays a role you know having people um maybe close to your age that guide you and take you by the hand so uh, i mean i experienced it myself <laughs> how good it feels to have someone there that's not as you said like another 
50 year old who says mm-hmm. okay boom check that you can speak now but like to actually feel like hey i'm drawn to this and i have room to speak and i'm not you know shut down after one minute because it's enough like i thought that was at least an innovation lab one of the the parts that made it such a good experience you know the check-ins yes. and yeah just uh, working with each other um yeah it's great to hear. <laughs> I'm really happy to hear that. Uh, oh, sorry, Joey, go ahead. No, go ahead. You go ahead. Sorry, you're always <laughs> interrupting. Okay, pause. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, no, I wanted to say that I'm really happy. Um, I'm happy to hear this. Uh, from you, Hannah, and to hear uh, about your experience. And because I wanted to add also that um, it is our aim with Joey that the feeling is that indeed that we are in this together and that we do this together. So we consciously try not to create hierarchy within this learning community. So to really guide you and give um, voice and stage to everyone who is participating in the innovation lab Mm -hmm. and for them to take agency take the word and and really become their own expert and see that within this group you're all your own field um, of expertise that you can collaborate together so yeah yeah, it's a conscious choice from us so we really are happy to hear this and uh, indeed um, the feeling that we would like to give to everyone who's participating in the innovation lab is that we're doing this together and we always try as much as possible to help everywhere and um yeah hoping to to do that yeah yes no it's yeah, awesome maybe, yeah maybe to add to that mm. um i mean we try to be as enthusiastic as we can be which was tricky sometimes with covid and yeah. working digitally and um, but we also really strongly depend on the people that are part of the community mm. um and with that we've been really lucky every year that there were so many people that were really into it Mm. Uh, like you said climate change is a a topic that now speaks to more and more youth because it's something that that is about them as well in their future so I think a lot of young people are really really enthusiastic about this and they want to make a difference Um, so in this learning community we have a lot of people that are really giving it their their best uh, including you Hannah and I mean, you, you even did this uh, not as part of your study, but as like an interest outside of your study. And that was amazing to me and all the work that you did. Um, but there's yeah. also other people that were just, they were uh, giving so much in this learning community and really doing so much more than what we asked of them simply because they, they cared and they wanted to do something. Mm. Um, and I think that I'm, I'm seeing that more and more now. I'm currently speaking with two students uh, from the University of Groningen that uh that worked on like a study project like one of those many assignments that you get throughout your studies mm. um and, and they came up with an idea there to create like this green pergola on the fish market and now they they've been talking to many many cities and, and companies to to kind of get this off the ground as well and to actually yeah. do it and yeah. they're starting their own business to do it uh like that, that is kind Crazy. of the mindset i think that yeah. you see happening more now yeah. and then that's amazing when i look back at when i was a student i was just occupied with doing my program and uh this mm. wasn't that much of a thing back then uh, i feel like and, mm. um, that is yeah. just so cool to see that energy yeah good to hear sounds really cool i love yeah. it 
I think there is also um, actually a new movement within education, a kind of like an educational turn where within um, um, education people who are uh, like facilitators or teachers, they also there is also a shift of generations there too. So mm -hmm. you get more young uh, educators who also promote these values of care and responsibility, yeah. listening to one another, um, learning from one another, but also giving agency uh, to the students, not only to be students, but to actually believe that they can take action. Mm -hmm. So I think that is also actually happening. Yeah. And it is kind of feeding the the output that we see mm. in the world that's very interesting yeah guys i'm looking at the clock and uh, <laughs> we're nearing the end um the last question i have and that i always ask my uh, guests <laughs> is that um if you have like one tip or like a key message or something from your heart that you would like the listener to remember um is there something that you would like to give the listener um, from this episode. For me, it's like empowerment and collaboration between generations. I think that's what I took from today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, it is um, don't be afraid to be your own expert. Mm. And nice. um, yeah, take the step to act and um, make a change or join someone who is the same enthusiastic uh, about topic the topic as you are mm. yeah nice yeah i think um i'll go with <laughs> um don't be afraid to start small mm. um, like the the, the the things you do don't have to be groundbreaking they don't have to change the world yeah all uh, change start small uh, your own street your own house um that yeah. can already make a big difference and and spreading the word helps a lot as well nowadays yeah like I said, like uh, the youth now have their big, a bigger network than ever online, a mm. bigger outreach. So showing that you do stuff can inspire other people to do small stuff and add it together. All these small stuff becomes big stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think that's Very also perfect. something. Yeah, perfectly. <laughs> I'll frame that. <laughs> no, like, like a blue tile. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I think that's that's a perfect summary of today's episode. I mean, my audience is like our age so between 18 and 28 i think so i think they'll definitely feel that they're the target today <laughs> and hopefully feel a bit inspired and, and moved and um yeah i thank you so much for joining and um don't hop off now i still have to discuss something after this recording but uh, well thank you so much uh, it was really great to hear you too and to have your input and also thanks for taking the time um yeah yeah, thank of you. course. Thank you as well, Hannah. It's been <laughs> lovely. Yes, thank you for inviting us. And we are very happy to see that uh, after the EVP, you got inspired and you yes. took uh, further steps and now you have your own podcast. So uh, that's really, really cool. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. This concludes the interview with Gabriela and Joey. And if you want to learn more about Gabriela and Joey and or, you know, ask them questions, I've put their LinkedIn handles and their email addresses as well as their profiles uh, from the Hansa University website in the description of this episode. And I hope that you enjoyed the interview with them and that it gave you some new insights and that it maybe inspired you to become active and connect with local youth initiatives as well. 
And as always, I can't leave you without giving you a clear, defined message to take home. So what can you take home from this episode? Youth is so essential to solving the climate crisis. We are literally the future. And I reckon that there's great potential in youth movements if they're given the ability and the chance to be an active part of local, global and national decision making. Um, we need to be engaged, empowered and given the autonomy to act. And that is why we need people like you and Joey and Gabriella and all the other wonderful people who make it their passion and living to guide, support and educate youth on climate change and make their voices heard. We need people like you who take interest in the topic, who learn, grow and, you know, inspire others as well. And I hope that you feel inspired to check out your local community and see maybe what you can do, what is already out there. And even if you, you know, just next time you meet with a friend, even if you just talk with them about climate change while having a coffee, that's also, you know, then we did our job also already. So, yeah, um, I hope that I could do something with today's episode. And now we have come to our... Uh, you know challenge for this episode uh, usually I provide you with quizzes or apps or you know things that you can actually do and use um, this time it's a little bit more laid back I thought I'd just let you know that there are many 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 things for you and for your children your grandchildren whatever age you are <laughs> first um, there are some documentary documentaries that I would recommend um, One of them is in German. I tried to find find it with English subtitles, but I couldn't. So I'm very sorry for that. The first documentary I would recommend is Breaking Boundaries, The Science of Our Planet. And um, David Attenborough's A Life on Our Planet. And if you not have seen any of these two documentaries, please do. They are very easily digestible, not too scientific. And in my opinion, they are an absolute must watch. And you will understand the climate crisis from a different perspective. And while the first um, documentary covers a more personal and um, intimate perspective on the climate crisis, the Breaking Boundaries documentary is a scientific analysis of the boundaries of our planet and how we can avoid breaking them in the future. And the last documentary I recommend is called Aufschrei der Jugend, Generation Fridays for Future. And you can find that one for free in the ARD Mediathek. And um, this gives an insight into the very popular youth movement that is Fridays for Future and its origins in Germany. So the German Fridays for Future movement, if you will. And it shows the growth and struggles of the movement And it interviews people from the movement themselves. And on more than one occasion, the documentary was quite goosebump-inducing. Um, but I would really recommend you watch that one to understand Fridays for Future also a little, bit, a little bit better. And in terms of websites or youth movements, I would recommend there are so many. There are plenty, as in so many that it would be impossible for me to name and mention them all. But what I came across around... Uh, two years ago is the great work um, the Global Center on Adaptation does for and with youth and on the website um, you can find more information on the youth leadership program I also recommend reading the article by Chad Frischman 
reflecting on the young minds solving climate change. Chad Frischmann is the vice president and lead researcher of Project Drawdown, uh, an organization seeking to find ways the global community can help um, to mitigate and reverse the effects of climate change. Um, I will always, as always, link all the links um, in the description down below. And another super interesting website is the Voices of Youth uh, Climate Toolkit. And it's developed by young activists, young designers and UNICEF experts. And um, it's a climate action youth series, which will provide you with the knowledge, tools and resources to participate in global youth climate action and advocate for change. So that's super cool. Go check it out. Moreover, UNICEF and the United Nations both have interesting offers for youth from all over the world. And the United Nations Climate Action and Youth Movements include a youth advisory group on climate change, which aims to amplify youth voices and to engage young people in open and transparent dialogue. And um, yeah, it's really aiming to accelerate action to tackle the climate crisis. And um, those links are also in the description down below. And for the next episode, I would like to talk about citizen initiatives and activism a little bit more in depth um, we have talked about citizen engagement with Anna before and uh, with um, Allard as well um, but I would like to highlight it more from an insider perspective and get to know how citizen engagement actually looks like from within and what you can do specifically for the environment and the next episode will definitely air before December 16th and will be in collaboration with one or maybe even more special guests. So stay tuned for that. And that's a wrap. That's it for today, guys. I um, have come to the end for this episode and I hope you enjoyed the more personal touch. I know it might have been less theoretical um, and more personal than usual, but I thought it's also needed from time to time. You know, you also need a break. So I understand and um, I hope you like this style. Let me know. And as always, please feel free to send me suggestions of topics that you're interested in and that you would like me to cover. Send me feedback, questions, whatever it is, you name it. And um, feel free to connect me via email or LinkedIn and, you know, share, ask, feel free. Um, you can find my email address, my LinkedIn handle and the details of the intro and outro song in the description of this episode And you can, as always, find all the references and links for today's episode in the description as well. It was my pleasure to host this episode today. A big, 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 big thank you again to Gabriela and Joy for being part of today's episode, for taking the time and for being patient with my huge delay in publishing. It was great fun and I will have you two here again anytime. And to you guys, thank you so much for tuning in and for listening. Have a great day, wherever you are, and enjoy spooky season. <laughs>